Introduction. Uh, welcome to the February edition of History. With this one, with a slight twist, instead of doing a read-along list, we're going to break it down by engine. This month, it's going to be Quake, both Quake 1 and Quake 2 and Quake 3. Quake 3, obviously, is going to be really short, so don't stress about that one. Quake 1 and 2, hold on to your hats because it's going to be pretty long, we hope. All right, so starting off, as all lists have to start with, is Diary of a Camper. As well as many of you know, that the Rangers just by accident stumbled on this film because they were just looking for something to do and uh, figured out a way with their chop their programming uh, skills to develop a little bit of camera technology and figured, you know, to spend an hour or two just doing a narrative, which making fun of John Romero and his camping skills. Um, very popular because it was new, fresh, and nobody thought you could do something like that. And um, basically it caught on and thankfully it changed a lot of our lives, you know, mine especially because it enabled me to be the official historian. Shocking, isn't it? Um, so moving on to one of their other films that was quite important because the Diary of a Camper was sort of like the introduction to the film industry's version of the silent film with the exception of the ambient sounds, obviously, but there was no vocals. But one of their early films, the Torn Apart series, the second one is actually the one that enabled them to use full voiceover, which allowed people to really act out their voices and, and so forth to add a, a lot more depth and personality to the characters, especially in this particular film with, you know, as the name implies, they're getting ripped to shreds and they get to scream in agony into our wonderful, blissful ears. So then moving on to that, we have the unexpected surprise of the Oakland also going the same route as the Rangers where, you know, they're bored, they're playing games and they're wondering what to do. And that's where they contrive the story of apartment hunting and you know, put it together and became another foothold in Mission Miss history because it enabled them to have a really funny, using their strong chops of comedy, improvising comedy, and able to tell a story and weave and just to have it just um, flesh out and really have some depth to their characters, especially, you know, this story of discrimination against lumberjacks, which in all their films, they've actually put a thread to that's quite interesting, but very, very interesting character dynamics with that film in particular. Um, and then moving on with Hugh Hancock's first film that put himself on the map is the Etchaton Darkness Twilight series, um, which reinforces the Quake uh, mythos because it based heavily on H.P. Lovecraft's uh, material Delta Green. And it was definitely another refreshing um, perspective because it allowed you to deal with subject matter that is very deep, dark, and mature. And it deals with subject matter that is not your run-of-the-mill. It's different. It's strange, hence the word for strange company. But it really made a mark that definitely, you know, when people say about 
Hugh Hancock, uh, Et Tatan is usually one of the films that, at least for the the veterans, they usually can point to that film. And he succeeded, as we'll discuss later, with Nightfall, but definitely the spearheader of the pioneer of Machinima definitely was huge going into that direction of material. Uh, the next film after that is Blabalicious. Um, Wedge and Avatar uh, did this film. It was very well done, um, very fresh and different and doing multiple um, little skits, sliced and diced, and then put together in a cohesive story and a lot of modded content with the characters and the shamblers and so forth. It's actually kind of an interesting Easter egg for the vets as well, is that one of the comical glitches with graphic technology is that when they did the original film, the windows in the workout scene were grayed out. You couldn't see anything. But when GL Quake came out and introduced reflective mirroring, that's when the cameraman gets to be shown up in the scene. So what you thought was invisible is now visible. So it's kind of interesting if you didn't know that your eyes kind of train on when the cameraman is shown when you get better technology, when mirrors actually act like they're supposed to instead of just being gray blotches. And the next film after that is one of the very first films that hit the feature film mark, which was Clan Phantasm's Devil's Covenant. That film was very deep and rich and the voice actors were very well done. The story was very well done. Um, the soundtrack, the just it really felt epic to the to its core and really well done. Um, I'm really glad that it was broken down into five parts because the technology couldn't handle that much data. You know, it was such a big film that they had to break it down because Quake couldn't handle running a demo that long that they had to break it up into pieces, which again shows the massive undertaking that some of these guys do to create these films because to do a two and a half hour film, especially with the tools that you had, I mean, Kill Grip, Key, key Grip was a very good tool, but, you know, just think of all the assets and everything you had to, to create and actually string it and tie it all together to have it um, work is just mind boggling. But, you know, they did it. And it's one of my favorite films of all time because it just, it just worked. Um, moving on to the next one. So the other film that leaves a mark as well is Operation Bay Shield. Um, that is very notable to the vets and to the public at large because it also had a very cohesive story. It was very funny. Um, some of its jokes are very iconic. You know, as soon as you hear the joke, you can kind of know it's from the film. Um, and actually has a couple of game publisher, uh, game developer alumni that are in that film. Um, one of them is uh, one of the people from Ritual Entertainment that made the Sin series. And again, sometimes you get a little surprise here and there about, you know, looking back of who in the game development industry was in making Quake movies, you know, in the, back in the day before they were, you know, hotshots in the game development as we know with, with Paul Marino and, and everybody else that have transitioned to that after the fact. Um, the next film is not really film per se. It's actually taking advantage of um, the 
cutscene ability that Quake developed as people were making films with it. It's Zerosaur. Um, it's German, I believe, for destroyer. And it's part, the cutscenes are part of a level pack that was very well done, very polished, very professional. Um, and it just basically told this, this dark story about this character, you know, going through this world and it's being drawn by this evil force and the music and just the scripting to just tell the story. Um, it wasn't player controlled. It was basically, you know, as we'll discuss with the, um, the seal of Nahara, it was just a very strong scripted, you know, sequences that were inter interdispersed with the, um, the level changes and so forth, just to continue to prod the story as you move along to your end goal. And then, um, touching on the seal of Nahara, uh, seal of Nahara, again, one of those grand ambitions that, you know, it seems almost kind of contradiction where the film is so huge. I mean, it, that's just the first part of the story to imagine that, you know, a team of maybe five or six people and one guy, especially for doing all the voices for a four hour film. And then in addition to that, making a level pack that also continues the story even further is just mind boggling. And then finally for Quake One, we have the Quake Done Quick phenomenon where basically taking it from the early days of Let's Play, the difference is, is this is speed running where you're trying to finish a level as soon as possible, physically possible without actually using any cheats, exploits. You're doing it clean and you're doing it as best you can to, to prove a strategy that you can get through a level as fast as possible. Um, and the team has done extremely well with multiple iterations of it. They even took it one step further when they did Scrooge done quick, where they actually made it into a narrative where, um, for the expansion pack Scourge of Aragon, they made it so the, ha the, the player had to get through it as fast as possible. So the, the end goal was that the final boss wasn't going to blow up the world. If he did, if he failed, the world would explode. If you got him, yay. But, you know, it was a very tightly packed um, story within just the realm of um, doing speedrunning. And it just, that's one of the ways to do a narrative while doing speedrunning. So that was the impact, at least for Quake 1. Now we're going to give you a break and do Quake 2.